0: Hello, Charlie Clamos here, you're listening to the third instalment of Radio Echo with Fanfara, this time with Miriam Rayleigh and Francois-Girard Mounier of the Office for Workspace Studies, ahead of a presentation of their work at Fanfara. As the name suggests, Francois and Miriam are interested in the peculiarities of modern workspaces, and especially the language used to describe work in these spaces. As you'll hear from the very start, there was an interesting unspoken aspect to the conversation inasmuch as we were all conscious that some of the things we were talking about could only be referred to in generalities. Furthermore, I was careful to cut out the bits where we do refer to our former or current workplaces directly. Besides one instance which we figured was fine to keep in, no companies are mentioned. All in all, it makes for an interesting absence. I've decided to split this recording into two, since there were quite a lot of interesting subjects touched upon, too many for a single 20-minute episode. In this first part, it's important to explain, again in non-specific terms, that before the recording began, we were talking about one workplace in which all the workers, from those working in the back office and the front of house to the cleaning and catering staff, are referred to as talents. This led to an interesting discussion of how much we can speak about work, the tendency of what David Graeber calls the bullshit job, and finally, the difference between valuable and useful work. I understand from what you said before that everything you've just said I can't put in, even though it's very interesting like it it could be quite a fun dance around the subject to try and explain these things in general terms, mm-hmm. specifically, like I can probably indulge in some of this in particularly talking about like previous jobs mm-hmm. where we don't have this sort of contractual obligation coming to some sort of conclusion through this constellation of mm. previous experiences I'm thinking about my time at Ipsos but you also can have a name contract line. you can't really you can't name it what you mean because um, I've signed a
1: contract and even after having I don't know um, stopped working for them I can't because talk about them I, I talked with people that work there and I had some kind of negotiation to see I don't know if, <laughs> if anything could pop out of this, and uh, I didn't well, I've been told and showed Ipsos are like really strong. Uh, I don't know the yeah. There's like this five thousand euros fine or something like that. Also, what that we can
2: get, uh, for,
1: for uh, disclosing uh, informations related to the the briefs. I think.
0: Mm, okay,
1: I mean.
2: <laughs> but that that's still like the kind of uh, blurry lines happening here, like. Yeah what is what is the confidential information that you can't talk about your past pr- work you know we always always have to talk about our previous jobs i mean in terms of resumes and stuff and what we liked it or what we didn't like it there so it's like where does the line go where your where your experience at ipsos becomes goes too far like talking about it?
0: i mean uh, also it's specifically i think it's fine it's so, as long as you yeah. don't say it at ipsos i did this Mm -hmm. this happened and it was bad or something like that right like i mean i can say what i just said Mm -hmm. but i can't be specific about something that was bad right like you can then yeah it's funny that everybody's you know you i guess everybody's familiar with Um, particular satirical shows or in whatever country like you're from like there's like these kind of political satires that Mm -hmm. libel is a really serious problem so they always have to say allegedly or or it's been said you know and and, like that's fine Mm -hmm. in a sort of very big broadcast setting but we all now have to become these same media representatives you know but
1: there's also changes like I mean I think you can uh, say the name of the place. You know, you can talk about these things as long as it does not like uh, conflicts with their own goals, which is uh, if what you would say would uh, conflict with their uh, ability to hire people, mm. then it would become a problem. If you put with conflict with their ability with enacting a certain strategy they use in order to, to get their business done... Mm like, complaining about, like, a, a marketing aspect of it that people would find... Uh, if you have, it as an example, to say a, a lie, or, a, yeah, no know, a lie that is not really relevant, but still is a lie, and then, like, would destroy the, the trust mm-hmm. of the public into that mm-hmm. company, then it's a problem mm-hmm. for them. But if you just say, like, it was bad because, I don't know, uh, the boss was annoying, it's not... Uh, it does not change anything on the business. I mean, it really depends also to which extent it is or not, but, you know, these things... The i everywhere the
0: thing I was thinking about with um the I mean I don't know if, if I should even like mention it by name now like yeah. it's funny how it's like...
2: it's that's the thing like uh I mean the restaurant where I work is belongs to that company that uses the language of talent uh, but it's so ingrained with their branding that it's like
1: do you, you think even saying that is too much? Sorry. Like,
2: yeah, because it, like, I can't go over and past it. But the thing is also that it's using the word talent in such a like funny way because talent in the workforce is more uh, is assigned more as a like a, some kind of immaterial uh, laborer. But then in that company they describe cleaners. Um, I don't know receptionists. Everyone has talent, so it turns ev- the whole ev- the whole world upside down. And I'm really having a, not like struggle, but I'm I'm a little bit confused of like how should I talk about it, and also how we should maybe talk about it in in our project.
0: Yeah, talking about it though. I, so I mean, this what I was just gonna say, yeah. having kind of an, uh, looked at it. Yeah. I think a quite, it's quite a common trope in Amsterdam advertising agencies I have some freelance involvement with with another agency that um, talks in this way I think mm-hmm. talks about certain um, things in like the appropriating actually more protest movements or or like transgressive politics and things like that. What, what I think is really important looking at all of this, this kind of appropriation of um, I guess the worst word for it would be hipster culture. That would be mm-hmm. what they perhaps would describe it as, but more just, you know, youth culture kind of trends in late capitalist what youth culture, sell? you know, is, is yeah. These people it, that
1: will soon be the new... Uh,
0: well, they're talking about uh, politics cells now, you know, it's not, it's no longer hipster culture. It, actually, if you look at the Super Bowl adverts, they're all political, there's like a lot of things about the, the wall and about identity and uh, everybody being welcome in America and what America mm. means and stuff, and like that's only going to come, come more apparent i would say in in the coming years is this appropriation of of um of like radical vocabulary mm-hmm, and things mm-hmm. like that and what interests me is that it ne- never quite works it's mm-hmm. it's it's weak and and you can see anybody who's got half of involvement in actual genuine really, really, grassroots really. things will see it from a mile mm-hmm. off it it's only a package that people who want to buy into that and don't want to do the effort inside yeah. of it that
1: would even remotely be aware of it. Well, it becomes fashion, it's like the surface of like what conveys the idea of being engaged politics.
0: Another thing to think about as well. So, I mean, is where we get our money from, right? Like, so we have to buy into this because they're the ones who've got control over the purse strings, you know, and it's extremely frustrating because it's, um, people need money and and le- there's less and less of it available, so there's um, more and more alienation in, in work like this. Yeah, the, the idea of
1: money is really interesting. It's like, there's this whole like, pretend or myth? You know, like you you decide what you want to do, and it's legitimate, and you get something out of it. I don't know. There's this like I don't know this kind of idea of freedom or going forward, and then like being paid for a valuable task you do and you enjoy doing. But at the end, it's not. The money is just like a. I feel like the money is kind of a medium to like uh, change the language of slavery into something else. You're working for something, but then, oh ah, well, yeah. know, you could be working for food, you know, or you could be working for food and a place to sleep. It would be the same. Mm-hmm. The money is just like a medium or like of exchange. Do you feel like um feel like with your work or work that you've done,
2: yeah,
0: that there's a real distinction between the useful element that doesn't get paid or the uh, mm. creative element that isn't uh, attached to money and the thing that you don't want to do, which is attached to money. Do you, do you feel like the things that you get paid for are useful?
2: Well, actually, for me, the restaurant was... I've never worked in a restaurant before, so for me, it, I was like, a, I don't know, anthropologist on an excursion almost. It was quite fascinating at first and and, and being surrounded in this, like, super corporate world like this trendy corporate world the first three months i was this spongebob you know i was like eager to see what is happening and i also like realized some of my downfalls of my personality which came out of that environment so in some ways it was enlightening but at the same time i can't see myself doing it for more than like i i can't see myself Having it as a career, as some of these people see themselves, that hospitality is their passion and and serving people, and I I, I really can't see that. So but it's it, it was a good experiment for me to just personally speaking. So
0: you did develop
2: as much, a sort of
0: yeah. Um, right, okay, yeah, yeah.
2: Like seriously, in terms of me being super shy, going into this like super harsh kitchen hospitality environment where people are super blunt with you they have no patience whatsoever it was kind of a good wake-up call for me of like to say that like I people have like I've been very uh, blessed with like the people around me because they're like so compassionate and patient with me and that was like such a like hard wake-up call in a way
1: uh, it's funny that uh, you talked about the anthropologist. I, f- I feel like the anthropology thing is like... I, I I had the same thing when working at that call center. And even the, the guy that uh, hired me, my boss, I think he said something like, I consider myself as an anthropologist. Or like there was something that I felt like, wow. Is, you know, like I, I understood also like the whole structure of this place and also everybody mm-hmm. has personal agendas that you cannot decipher through the corporate structure and um, I found it really interesting and also I think the idea of value and utility is also like something that is related to personal agendas as an mm-hmm. example when you said that you found something really interesting and in working there because like you're gaining skills that you will not gain elsewhere you're like practicing mm-hmm. yourself into understanding this at the same moment the company the restaurant has an agenda which is not the same as yours yeah. they don't really care about your I mean, your personal development is interesting to them as long as it's bringing in productivity mm-hmm. and, like, you know, uh, capital, extra capital accumulation uh, for them. But at the same moment, like, as an example, me too, like, working in the call center, I mean, it's interesting because, like, even the knowledge, they say, like, you're going to learn a lot that you can use afterwards in your career. They know that you're not going to work at the call center. They, they explicitly say it. But it's kind of the school of resilience because you learn how to be resilient so how to always be said no i'm not interested uh, you know i don't like you stop calling me and not caring you i mean you can be rejected 100 times and then you're just as happy as ever you, like nothing happened but it's
0: um it's the education of, of a hustler that you're actually becoming a better person at manipulating other people or yeah what i guess i was going at with utility like i actually was thinking about it like the jobs you're describing they do have like inherent usefulness like you're Mm -hmm. doing them and there is like a there is some sort of social benefit eventually okay there's money involved but but anyway i mean my experience of paid work is either it's not useful
2: yeah
0: or it's um it's not even really happening you know
2: yeah of course i mean i also don't see much pleasure in 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 my part-time job and it's a nuisance to go there and do the the, these things that you don't really kind of believe in
1: but it's really i mean the idea of believing is uh, yeah it's subjective it's like constructed on a framework of what do you think is useful or not and Mm. also defining like what is useful yeah, also, like, the, the idea of value, like, I don't know, like, working in a restaurant, for me, I mean, yeah, I, I sense what it's doing, it's exhausting. I, I see it as, like, a fitness, a way to uh, distract my schedule in order to shut down, because also, like, we're talking about work, and we're talking about this very specific aspect of these side jobs that might be happening uh, because of the constraint of just... Uh, Capitalist society in general. Because obviously, like, if we didn't have to do that, maybe we would not. But at the same moment, like, if we talk about other types of work, like creative industry work, uh, there's a lot to say about it also because the work permeates any aspects of your life. So, basically, you're working 24-7, looking at your emails, networking, meeting people, uh, reading books as part of the work somehow. So, there's this invasion of privacy, which is also maybe not so science somehow. I am... Um Yeah, I've recently gone freelance and um,
0: it's quite a funny like oscillation between it being ridiculously precarious in a way Mm -hmm. and then also being extremely unalienated as in like I actually, I'm in much more tune with my cyclical natural rhythm of like waking up when I want, Mm -hmm. napping when I want, um, staying up late, uh, eating when I need to, um, you know, I think that's extremely healthy to be not forced into this, like, rigid structure of, of like, being trained to, yeah. to get up at the right time. With that said, it comes with the fact that you have to, like, hustle and also everything, your entire life becomes
1: some sort of training for for who you are and what you are. You embody your labour a lot more. Yeah, yeah. yeah because, like, shut. The, I mean, going out of work you put a new mask or your, mm. your shift of your I mean, yeah. identity shift. But you as a cultural producer, I mean, there are no identity shifts. Um, you, you're always this person, even though like you look like... Last time you went abroad, you know, was it like for leisure or for kind of work or for <laughs> some kind of weird in between? It was it was work, yeah.
0: I mean, <laughs> and, and again, like I've booked a trip um, for, for a month around the Black Sea. It should be very nice. I'm taking my recorder with me, uh, you know. Like um, I'm taking my laptop yeah. so that I can work while I'm there. And there are no holidays anymore. There's no like. There's always like of... a, an event.
2: What really like struck me when I first started at the restaurant was that like I was so uh, liberated in a way that like if I made a mistake there, I knew exactly how and why it happened. Like, if I, for example, spilled a plate, you know, it was because that time, in that spot, I didn't pay attention or the floor was, I don't know, slippery or whatever. There was always, like, you can go back and see what exactly happened and I would make my own um, notes about it and, like, it would be so clear. This was not my... Making this, I mean, I was making the mistake, but it just happened. I will make a note of it, and I will continue my work. But when it comes to my own design practice, you never exactly know what went wrong. You can not never trace your steps back and go into this, like, whatever you, it was to blame on or something. Mm. And I felt it so liberating that, like, this work was not me. And I was, like, able to, okay, make mistakes and not take it in- inside. You were integrated, when, that's yeah, what I suppose, Yeah, exactly. And when it, it's with the design, it's a lot of things that I do, it's just, like, they're so inherited with myself mm. or with the way I think or with the way I do things that it kind of... But um. I was told, like, like, in my appraisal, I had an, my first ever appraisal that, like, I'm a clever girl, but maybe even too clever for this job
0: too clever.
2: Yeah, like, because I question too many things. Because I always ask, I'm very interested in how the, like, restaurant works and how the kitchen kind of, how everything operates. And and because since I never had, like, a previous restaurant experience, I'm like, why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why? Like, you know. And then this was the thing, like, that I maybe, I've never considered myself to be a clever person, but then in that environment I became that clever girl, which kind of was a...
1: But you're clever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like that,
2: but then it was like maybe you're too clever and it was kind of like a very confusing thing, like, okay, well then what
1: It's interesting it's, that I'm, what I'm, do you want from me? Yeah, like and yes. also
2: like how a shitty job do you think it is, you know?
0: Radio Echo with Fanfara is a European Echo production. You can follow us by searching Radio Echo on the podcast app or liking European Echo on Facebook. The theme was Cass by
2: Jim Clemos.